Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Our guest today is an award-winning artist and fashion illustrator, Kathy B. Graham. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, Rolling Stone, New York Magazine, and more. And she's been a contributing editor to House Beautiful and El Decor. She's also a flower designer, or I'm sorry, a floral designer and a passionate gardener. And in 2017, she released her first book, Second Bloom, with Vondon Press. And today we'll be talking about her second book with Vondon Press, Full Bloom. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be doing this. I did not know what to expect when I picked your book up. I obviously knew it was about floral arrangements, but I wasn't familiar with your work before opening it. And I was just completely blown away by the creativity, the whimsy, and just the artistry of the book. Um, You know, you don't just showcase flower arrangements, but you create like still lives, installations with live flowers, and just in the most unique and thrilling way. So I was completely just in awe of your talent. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. And I have to just mention, my career as an illustrator was when I was young. So my first career was I was an illustrator. I worked for all those people. And then I was married for a very long time. Two kids. I worked with Robert Isabel. And then got divorced and did two books. Incredible. How did you get in there? But... (laughs) No, yeah, it was, I, that's why I wanted to start. But if you could just tell everybody your background and how you got into um, first fashion illustration and then floral design. Okay. I went to the Rhode Island School of Design. I was in painting. And I went there four years. I graduated. A bunch of other students were moving to New York. Somebody said, you love fashion, Kathy. Why don't you go to Parsons and study fashion illustration?" So it was either like going to graduate school for painting or studying fashion illustration and being then with my boyfriend who broke up with me instantly. But I got to New York and I went to Parsons School of Design and I was very lucky after I graduated with my portfolio. My very first job was two Bloomingdale catalog covers. And then I just worked constantly and did all sorts of fun things from the windows at Bergdorf's to backdrops with fashion illustrations and catalogs and record covers. It was just kind of a mixed bag. And then I got married and I sort of focused on gardens, house, and I was lucky enough to meet the great Robert Isabel. And he was the event party designer, extraordinary. He was unbelievable what he would create. And we became great friends. And I said, I want to get better at doing flowers because I always did flowers. And he said, well, come and work for me. And that's what I did. But I have to be totally honest. I came and I worked on all the projects I wanted to work on. So that's how that happened. Then I fell in love with gardening, especially in the garden I had in Northwestern Connecticut in South Kent. And that's where I just went bananas with growing the flowers that I was going to arrange, 
I had two very large cutting gardens because deer are a big problem. And I just loved it so much. And I would plan out what I wanted to grow. Then eventually that got sold. And um, the place in Nantucket, I actually share with my ex-husband, but I do have a rose garden there that I adore my roses. And um, I, I grow dahlias, but I'm sort of never there when the dahlias come up. It's his time there. What an incredible, like, artistic career. Um, did you find that your experience as a painter, I guess, in sort of even just compositions translated into floral design or were they sort of too unique? Um, Absolutely. Areas? Absolutely. And I think if you have an eye for color, design, you know about art history, it all helps. But guess what? You don't need any of that. I mean, I can show people how to do an arrangement without any of the background skills with a few tricks. Well, I think it's amazing how you've transitioned from doing things that are two-dimensional, like painting and illustration, into three-dimensional floral arrangements. But then you also do these really stunning two-dimensional arrangements on plates and on tablescapes where you're doing pretty much surface pattern design with flowers. How did that come about? That came about, um, I had wanted to do some product design and I'm great friends with Christopher Spritzmiller who do my illustration work and you know, said, do you wanna do some plate designs? And I said, yes. So we have a spring collection, an autumn collection, mugs. Then I had um, Scott Potter who does decoupage. He did some decoupage with my work that was sold at Bergdorf's. What else? Um, I'm doing some wrapping paper, but I'm not really particularly doing it for anybody, but I'm doing lots of samples of wrapping paper, which I find great fun. So I love the idea of, you know, using my illustration and painting background for creating products. I don't know if anything's going to come of it, but I have like a gardening apron and things that I've done. But even within the book, you have just plates where you're inspired by some, you know, English plates, but instead of drawing on them, you're actually creating patterns with leaves and plants and flowers and vegetables. Which is so much fun. I happen to love Chelsea porcelain, which is astronomical, the real stuff. It's like $15,000 a plate. It's unbelievable. But I thought it'd be funny to create my own. And I was able to do these like little test ones using glue dots. And then I have two niches in my living room. And I thought, and I've got creamware, so I thought I'll make my own Chelsea porcelain simply by using glue dots. And I found miniature vegetables. And they are the real thing. I mean, like real carrots. And I put them all around the plates to um, create my really cheap, temporary Chelsea porcelain. But it makes quite a splash. They're really so fun. I was yeah. incredible. I was like, is this... I was curious, like, do you, I mean, just the photograph of them alone, I could imagine seeing someone like hang pictures of them, but do you put them on your, like, what do you do with them in in an event? Are they on the tables in the setting? Are they like, what do you, where do they go? I have the two niches. So I have them all, the plates, and I, I think it's in the book where I show the niche. Okay, yes. The plates. And then I also think it's really funny. You know how you have a charger and then you take it away and then you bring your first course? Well, I thought they'd make kind of funny chargers. 
I love that. Do. Yeah. People think, oh my God, she's going to feed me three peas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always do that with a salad plate. Like even if I don't intend to use a salad plate, I put one in there and then I just take it away. My father-in-law is always very confused by this, but, but anyway, so I love that. I, I, I that's, that's really um, fun. And I, what a great like conversation starter for a dinner Absolutely. party. You know, and, that's the whole thing. You want something that's just a little bit offbeat just to make people feel like, oh, God, she's insane. I can say whatever I want here. So I used to put little miniature salesman samples on the table mixed in. And I always thought if you make a pretty enough table, you can get away with a little bit of nuttiness, which does relax <laughs> people. I love it. You're setting such a mood. It's amazing. And I learned that from Robert Isabel. In any room, you have to create the mood. And you create the mood, especially in the evening, by soft light, candlelight's the best, scent. You don't want anything too overwhelming. Lilies and um, gardenias are very strong. I mean, they're pretty other places, but for the table, I always love having fresh herbs around my flowers because that's a scent that just goes so well with food. So lighting, all of that creates an atmosphere. And I think that's true of kind of any room, how you can change a room completely with flowers and plants. You mentioned nuttiness, and there is nuttiness throughout this book. And I think that that's, <laughs> and I I would call it more joy and whimsy because it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's true because you have done things like um, painted little faces and put them on, put them on daisies in the center of daisies or, you know, um, oh my gosh, there's, there's one image that you have where you have a, a little mannequin doll who's holding a little salesman packet of X-Lax. Oh, oh my yes. gosh, that cracked me up. Well, you didn't mention the most important things. It was, it also, I made a little pearl handle and the wonderful salesman sample from the late 1940s. I dressed her in my own version of couture out of paper and um, I stuck her in a tulipier. It's so fun. I talk about using tulipier and how much fun they are to use with flowers that aren't necessarily tulips. Will you explain what that is? Just because I don't think that's a common okay. thing people own. Well, tulipiers, they were originally designed to showcase tulips, which of course in Holland, in the um, 16th, 17th century, I think it was 17th century. Anyway, they were worth like jewels, they were gold. And they wanted to show off each one. So it was a symbol of wealth. And Delft made the first tulip year. But now you can get all sorts of tulip year. And the one I use in the book is about as plain as you can get so the flowers stand up and out. And you can create a quite large arrangement with a lot of impact very easily. And, and you so, don't have to put a dowel in the middle. And so a tulip year is really just kind of a vase that has multiple yes. little spouts? Yes, multiple little spouts that you would each layer, because you put the layers on top of it, each layer has water in it. And so then you put the flowers so they're in the water, or they used to do the bulb, and then it would grow out of the spout, the opening. Yeah, it's almost like a tiered cake for flowers, you know? Like it's... Without, that's perfect explanation, absolutely perfect. But it's, they're really fun, and I just like working with them a lot. I love how they, they kind of make a like a very uh, vertical 
well, the one, you know, there are all just different shapes, but the one that you use in the book several times. And I loved that actually, because I loved seeing one vase with all sorts of different sort of, you know, a color palette and different plants together. And you can kind of see, compare them against each other and see how, um, how to use it with different types of um, florals. I know. That's what's so great. It's everybody will have their own tastes and their own way of working. You make mistakes. So what their flowers, they only have a lifespan of, you know, five days, seven days. So you, you can have fun just experimenting. I did want to ask about vases because I find myself to be a little bit of like a Goldilocks with vases. I feel like some vases are like, they're too big. The, 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 like mouth is too big or some of them are too small and you can't get enough flowers in there. So I was wondering from you what makes a fantastic vase, you know, whether that's a size or a shape that you like a lot um, and maybe giving people who um, are just starting their flower arranging journey sort of a a good guide. What should be in, yeah, what should be in your back well, pocket for sizes? I have, I happen to love, it depends on your table, if I'm doing for a dinner party and I'm doing a large arrangement, I like an oval or a circle or round. And what I do is I use, do, I have to say this, do not use floral foam. It is the worst thing in the world. It's horrible for you. It's horrible for the environment. Hopefully they will ban it soon. Anyway, I have all sorts of alternatives that work just as well. So I like an oval. I love baskets. I love especially baskets that have liners. Alex Papagrassidi with Everyday Elegance has a wonderful basket that he does with a liner that I love. And, you know, Christopher Spritzmiller, oh, they work so, Christopher's shapes work perfectly with flowers. You want to have a wider, for me, a wider mouth. Is that what you call it? Anyway, mouth on the top and going down narrower. You know, because sometimes if you have a little opening and you've got a big base, it's very hard to do a, a lovely big arrangement in it. And there's something about proportion that, you know, it's one third to two thirds, but, you know, something that looks comfortable. So you wouldn't have like a little short flower in a tall base, that sort of thing. So if so we're I'm not using floral shapes. foams. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. Never. What, Never. Are, what are you using instead? Are you using chicken wire? Are you taping? Are you using I frogs? I'll be honest. I don't like frogs. I don't like taping. I know people use them. I just don't happen to use them. I love, there's a woman, Holly Chappelle, and she has designed. In Birmingham. Floral, yes. She's designed these floral pillows. They come in all sorts of sizes. They are so easy to work with. It's like a chicken wire. It's out of plastic. You put the two pieces together and then you just tape it with floral tape in there. And it's just so easy to use and it's just the right size. So I use a lot of those. If I have to get a different size, I use chicken wire. You can use a coated chicken wire that won't hurt your hands as much. You make, you know, you create your own ball. You can use twigs. The other thing I do all the time is just simply crisscrossing stems. You just crisscross, crisscross, crisscross. And you start with your toughest, woodiest stems and then work into the thinner stems. Anything else? <laughs> well, okay. Sorry. Back to the base. What, okay. like, in terms of inches, is there, like, is there a, a you know, the, the opening, you said you like the opening to be bigger on top and narrow on the bottom. So, I don't know, like six inches? You know, it depends on the size of the arrangement you want to create. 
So there are all sorts of wonderful, urns are wonderful to use. I love baskets. And sometimes if the basket's open, you can get a plastic liner and take sheet moss and cover the edge. And then you just see that pretty sheet moss coming through the basket. So I'd have lots of shapes that I love. Another thing I did a lot in my first book was using individual vases and creating a garden on your table. I love to sort of make a little garden on the table. In this book, I used building up moss. I just kept building up moss, moss, moss. And I had a template under the cardboard. And then I used tiny little water tubes so I could get the flowers to stand up straight and live. Okay, and, that's brilliant. Um, I so you can just have a garden right on your table. I love that. I love I, the idea of using those tubes for throughout. The tubes are fantastic. You can put them on a stick. You can take a short flower and make it tall. And um, I just love them. And of course, they're reusable. Um, what about, the, one thing that you mentioned early in the book, and I was so interested in this, was conditioning is the word you use, conditioning the flowers. So I was wondering if you could tell us what that means and kind of give us a step-by-step -step of, of what you do. All right. Well, every type of flower gets conditioned in a certain way. So if you have a woody stem, you don't want any leaves in the water. They create bacteria, which will kill your flowers. So with a woody stem, I take a hammer and smash it. With a very sappy stem, I'll take a big lighter and I'll burn the bottom. Uh, roses, all the thorns off and leaves that are gonna be in the water. And then I cut those at a sharp angle under the water. So you don't get an air bubble, but it's not as hard as it sounds. It really, you know, it can go quite fast and it's very easy. I think I have some instructions in the book, but it's so easy to look up. So poppies, which I love poppies, poppies, you have to burn the bottom. Why is that? Because it keeps the sap from coming out. And then, okay, you mentioned pulling the, ro or removing the, removing the thorns from the roses is that just for like making it easier or does that do something actually in the water like a leaf would i don't think they cause bacteria i find if you don't have it it's going to be harder to do an arrangement i have some fantasy that maybe it absorbs more water um but sometimes i'll make up these things i don't know if it's true okay and then what about um the I know that you're probably getting your flowers from the flower market, but what if you get the little powder packet that comes in the the thing? Do you use that or no? Like, would you say someone should use that just to, if they're working on their own arrangement? Well, it, it keeps the bacteria at bay. I sometimes use the liquid formula and just put a bit of that in. You put a little bleach in. But the most important thing is every couple of days is to recut the flowers a little bit and put in fresh water and they will last so long, or longer than you'd expect. That was definitely gonna be one of my questions, kind of to just knowing when you're making an arrangement, you know, how many days in advance can you go for, for your event and or how long should we expect, you know, a floral arrangement to last? Well, it really depends on the flower. If you have Casablanca lilies, they're gonna last a long time, like 10 days. I mean, they'll keep blooming, oh, wow. but they last a very long time. Other flowers are, aren't, don't last as long. What I do is I sort of work out what I'm going to do, what the event is, the colors that I'm thinking about. And usually I find I'll go down to the market and I'll see something that just strikes me and I'll do a whole color story around that. 
If you're going to a grocery store, my tip is you got to ask when it came in. But they just say, oh, today. And then you're kind of like, I don't know. Turn it over. Look at the bottom of the stems. If they smell bad and if they're kind of yellow, do not buy them. They might look good on the top, but they're not going to last if the bottoms look like that. So if you're arranged, like you said, it depends on the flower, but if you're arranging on Saturday or if you're a Venice on Saturday, sorry, when should you buy the flowers and when should you arrange the flowers? Well, flowers need to be in cold. They have to be cold. So if you're buying the flowers, I would buy the flowers. I generally buy, start buying the flowers two days in advance. And then I do go down to the market for three days. And then the day of the event or the night before, I do all the flowers just to make sure they're going to look really fresh. And if you don't have a flower cooler and you're in a cool climate, just stick them outside. Okay, so two days before, two to three days before, day three, three days out, you go to the market, you see what's... Just see what's around. Okay, and then on day, two days before, you buy them and condition them. Yes. And then you arrange them the night before or the day before. I'm always working the day of. Oh, day of. Okay. By the time an event happens, I just want to go to bed. But the day of. Because, you know, that's the thing. There's something wonderful that, that flowers are living and they have a lifespan. And so, I mean, I can't really work on an arrangement a week before. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, this I think is just so helpful. I actually, you know, had a friend calling me or like texted me a couple of weeks ago because she was, her child was getting baptized and she was doing some flowers and she wanted to know if she could buy them three days before. And I, anyway, so I think what did this you is, tell her? I told her yes, especially for roses. Cause I, you know, some, the yeah, ones at the store them. really are so tight and then they kind of open up more. So I told her yes, that it might even be better. So I'm glad I gave her the right answer. You did indeed. You did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then do you do cold water? Do you do warm, lukewarm water? What is your thoughts there? I generally just do lukewarm. I mean, some flowers want cold water, but, you know, generally just room temperature water is just fine. Okay. Never hot, very rarely, never hot water. Heat and flowers don't get along. One of the things that I loved in your arrangements is that, um, you pair things together, like flowers, varieties together that I would never put together. Like you might have something, you know, very elegant, like a peony or a lily of the valley, but then you pair it with something almost wild, like echinacea or like an oak leaf hydrangea leaf or something, something that looks like it was just cut from the yard. And I was curious, um, you know, I guess how, what's your, how do you pick things to go together and how do you know whether they'll work, I guess? Well, I always recommend people are nervous about it with color because this book's a lot about working with color. And if you get a color wheel on Amazon, anything, if you're nervous about it, you stay within a color family. If you're in the color family, you're not going to go wrong. If you're using deep, rich tones, like in the fall part of my book, then They all work together beautifully, but if I put white in, it would destroy it. So there's some tips on kind of working with colors, white and blue and green, beautiful combination, lavender, blue and white, fabulous. Red, white and blue, not so hot. 
I mean, nothing unpatriotic. <laughs> For floral arranging only. Yes. yes. But no, I love I, that you organized the book in, in colors because I think it was fun to watch, you know, your excitement from spring to fall and what you're cutting and blooming and planting. Um, and I think a few of us had some questions about just what you are planting. And um, even for me, I know my specific question would be kind of what is your easiest bloom? What is something, again, a non-green thumb might potentially, what are some that we might be able to make bloom? The easiest, easiest, easiest is bulbs. Bulbs are so easy. I have at my house, I have a little garden in front and then I have a little garden in the back. The garden in the front is very small, but I have a blast doing it. I have ordered hundreds of tulips to go in that I will be planting as soon as it gets a little bit colder. And I've got lilies I'm going to be planting. And I have all sorts of things to sort of pop up. And then um, just because I thought it'd be funny, I'll take something that isn't necessarily going to be growing at the same time, but I like the color of it. And I'll put it in a water tube and just stick it in the garden. That is, so I didn't even know that that was an option. Like you can I stick that was so funny. <laughs> like you can stick a cut flowers outside and they won't. Yes, it's so great. You can enhance your garden. Let's say you're having an event or something or you're having a wedding and you can't find, get some Casablanca lilies, get a water tube that has enough water in it. Just stick it in the ground and there you go. I did that in the book where I created, I thought it'd be fun to do a floral arrangement in a window box. So I have a floral arrangement in a window box, all these things that would never be growing or standing that way. And again, it was all done with water vials. And you say, well, water evaporates. Then every two days, you just take a little squirter thing and you just fill it up. It's easy. But it just creates a sense of fun. They're, it's so fun. No, I'm trying to order them online right now. Um, <laughs> are they plastic? Or are they glass? What are these water vials that we're putting in? I, I, what I'm using are the water vials that are plastic. Mm -hmm. But I have gone online trying to see if somebody please make them out of glass. Because, you know, the plastic's reusable, but it's still plastic. So it'd be really great if somebody did glass water vials. And if I could find that with a little thing in the top that I could put a flower in, that would be ideal. Because it has to have the little rubber. top plunger, but right? Have, have, yeah, which is rubber. So Yeah, a little rubber. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're, we're aligned. Time. And what I do is I also use a stick with little tape to make it long, short, whatever. That um, is genius because there have certainly been times where I have accidentally cut a flower too short, you know, when you're doing an arrangement. And I'm like, oh, well, darn, this looks silly now. So... That is a great, it's even just so for that. It's like great because what you do is with the foliage, you cover up the tube. So easy. Because with mean, an arrangement, I, you know, I think green is beige. It's just everywhere. So if you've got wonderful foliage, you can use less flowers. And I also always start with the foliage and I get the structure there. And once the structure is there, then I start filling in the flowers. Yeah, can you um, can you tell us how you start? Okay, you start with the green, and then do you do like the biggest bloom first? Do you do the biggest bloom last? And then like, how do you kind of work? Well, I've got my chicken wire or my Holly Chappelle pillow in there, and it's all secure. I've got clean water, maybe a little bit of floral food. And then I start with 
the woody stems with green. I usually start with Wonder Woman shades and I mix the shades of green and fill it up that way. And then I start adding flowers. And at that point, it doesn't really matter if you're using a big flower or a little, because I like to mix the sizes. I like to mix the shades. Let's say you're doing a pink arrangement, do different shades of pink, bigger flowers, littler flowers, and it just makes a more interesting arrangement. I noticed too that you're you're using so many different shapes. You've got maybe something that's like big and like bulbous, I guess, like a peony or a rose, and then you've got you know something kind of wiry, like a vine or a I don't know, a, um, and and then you've got like some small flowers. So is that basically how you structure every arrangement? You have kind of some of every shape. No, it just kind of I like doing that because it looks a little bit more natural, a little wild. I can get some movement in it. But, you know, every arrangement you're going to do is going to be slightly different. Um, And when I was working with Robert Isabel, if there was a big event, he did not want every arrangement to look cookie cutter. I mean, you had the colors, and then you could kind of, you know, work within that. So that was a really good lesson for me. So when you are doing an event, you're keeping the basic structure of what flowers you're using the same, but then they all kind of vary? Or how do you, how do you break the cookie cutter? Well, I break the cookie cutter with vines and, you know, butterfly rinoculus and things that are very soft and loose. And that's an easy way to do that. So it's just fun to do, you know, experiment and see what you come up with. And I think anybody who makes the effort to have live flowers around their house, on their table, I applaud them. Because I just think flowers, plants, they just, you can completely change the atmosphere of your home with the flowers. I love to do. Well, I just really love your freeform approach to creating these arrangements. Um, I find it really inspiring. I mean, you're in a lot of your arrangements too. I mean, we talked about some of the, the, more humorous things that you add to some of your personal arrangements. Um, but there are other things like nothing's nothing's off the table when you're putting an arrangement together. I get I get that feeling like even vegetables and fruit. Oh, love that. Love doing that. Fruits, roots I put in. I mean, just text. It's just to create textures. I use some mushrooms. I sometimes like a really these really homely radishes that are watermelon radishes and they kind of like this, a snout on it. They look almost like a possum. They're really strange, but I'll throw one in because I like that color and I think it's sort of fun. So, Amazing. But the whole thing is not to overdo it. Just a little bit of kookiness. So, you know, I don't want it to be like, you know, Pee Wee Herman, just a complete joke. Um, no. I just wanted just a little kind of like, mm. I, I, my one thing that I did that was so much fun because I wanted so long to do this was because I love mini pearl. I wanted to have price tags on the biggest, most extravagant arrangement. So I did this huge extravagant arrangement. I found vintage price tags. I hung them throughout the arrangement. It said three for 10 cents. Nobody took me up on it. Seven cents, they could have bought the whole arrangement. But I just thought, what? Kind of <laughs> thinking in the Yeah, there's just a wink and a nod, which is really funny. I love it. Yeah, and, I, and I had a little health certificate in there that I found in an old doctor's. I, I stay up too late at night on eBay. 
the child's doctor kit and I had a little health certificate and oh my, my Xerox machine, I made it smaller and then just stuck it in the arrangement. I was I'm wondering with the fruit, like what, do you put that on like a cooking skewer? Mm-hmm. Like what do you, how do you mm-hmm. stick simple, it in it? Simple, simple. I put sometimes the end of a twig. Sometimes I'll use a floral stick and just put it on the end of the floral stick and again, hide it within the flowers and the foliage. Amazing. It's really quite simple to do. That also seems like so affordable. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you're totally right. It does seem it. And it's a great way to add in so much weight and texture and color to your point, which I just don't think is normal to think about. And it's so wonderful. But you have bulbs, the raw bulbs up on sticks and arrangements that are blooming. How are we doing this? Because my mind is blown. Well, Actually, they last a long time. And what I did, the idea came to me with spring. And finally, spring is here. Mm -hmm. So I thought it'd be amusing for people walking by my house and myself to think of the bulb. If you were like in the cold, freezing dirt all winter and it's spring, wouldn't you just jump out of the ground? So I put them on sticks jumping out of the ground. I hung some daffodils where I wash off all the um, dirt from the roots. And again, I hung it with clear nylon thread from my tree. And then I thought, well, I'm just gonna take that and do it in the arrangement and see what it's like. So I just put it on a stick and I thought the roots are so pretty. Your imagination is a beautiful place. I love it. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, I don't know. Well, that's, that's what's also, you know, you allow everyone kind of that little snippet into your mind through the book. and. Again, going from spring to fall and all the, again, quirky or uh, off things that you do that make it so special and different and allow people to think far outside the box. And I also love and appreciate your thoughtfulness and mindfulness to the environment and what you're using as well, Um, you know, truly makes it so it doesn't even feel like we're doing a bad thing playing. Does that make sense? Like Absolutely. And laurel foam, which is ghastly horrible. The other thing that is really horrible, and they're going to ban it in the EU, and that is glitter. And I like anything that sparkles. I'm like a magpie. But German glass glitter, which is ground up glass, old fashioned glitter, because glitter was invented in like 1934. So before they had glitter, they had the German glass glitter. Before that, they had the mica, they had the beetles. Not the beetles, but I mean, they had beetles where they smash up the beetle. Um, <laughs> Just in case we got confused. <laughs> no, in case my mind went off in the wrong direction. Anyway, I highly advise if you want a little sparkle, German glass glitter. It comes in colors. You can get it on Amazon, and it's not bad for the environment. You've got to stop using the plastic. Plastic glitter is so horrible. I mean, it's just it gets into everything and it just terrible for fish everything i'd never heard of german glass glitter how cool it's so beautiful i first learned about it from wendy addison who has this wonderful shop and she's also online it's called theater of dreams and i would get when my kids were little for the christmas tree these beautiful german glass glitter stars and then she'd start selling the glitter and then you started getting the glitter anyway, the German glass glitter. So I use it in the book where I sprinkled it with, I put some glue and then I sprinkled it on a clear glass vase 
to show you at holiday time how to create a little sparkle on your table. I loved those because didn't you just put the glitter on with rubber cement? Exactly. And, <laughs> and it's been a while and it's still there. And it That's looks amazing. Right. And you put a boat near it and it really does twinkle. I loved the little uh, faux lemon trees you made in the book. I thought those were gorgeous. I mean, those are amazing. Will you tell, will you tell people about them? Kind of describe it for the listeners that can't see. There's something called a lime quat, and you get them from various places, Pearson Ranch in California. They send them to you. They are perfectly round, bright yellow lime quats, even though they're not green. And I just found they were such a fun shape to work with. So that's how the lime quats got involved. What was the original question? Oh my God, my memory. The little um, faux, yeah, the faux trees and how you made oh, them the with the- yeah. okay. I took, it was so simple. I took a pot. I had the pot, that particular pot did not have a hole in the bottom. I took plaster of Paris, water, mixed it up, put a branch in, used a glue gun. I put the lime quats on and then using lemon leaves, which is a bright green, sturdy leaf. I didn't like the shape. So I took my scissors, my um, scallop scissors, and I made them prettier. And then I put glued them on. It has never occurred to me to, to trim or cut a, a stem in any way. And that was so smart. And I loved it. You. And you also Thank did you. these incredible, I think this is in like a different part of the book, but you did these very interesting. It's the one that was like the Hollywood table. Um, oh, when I went the, out to California? The, like the fronds that were in each plate that oh, were yes, they that hand painted? No, I used the real thing. Oh, okay. It looked like they were almost... Painted. They looked hand painted. They were the real thing, and I just put it on the plate. And I have to tell you, the flower market in LA is spectacular. I have it's incredible. It's blocks time. and blocks and blocks long. Yes, and I did a different palette, and I used different sort of flowers, and it was just great fun. And it was a friend of mine's house, so that we shot it. Yeah. I want to know about this garland you did and how to accomplish. You have a mantle garland on in your book, and it's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I love making garlands and I like, again, using things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to find in a garland. So in that one, I put vegetables, I put fruit, I put roots. And when you're making a garland, you have to have the base. So the base is like a rope. And with the rope, you add, you twist around with wire. You make little clumps of different things and you twist it on with wire. And then when I get it nice and full, I can take water tubes, stick them in with the flour, and then create this very big, earthy, you know, delicious garland. So I love, love, love doing garlands. And they look much harder than they are. And it's, I think I show some of the methods that I, I use. But again, it's the magic of those water tubes. I know, I should have called my book Vials. <laughs> <laughs> Because I use them so much. And then I love to, I I know we already mentioned this a little bit, but I just found it so intriguing how you added paper into like the little paper faces um, and just hand painting. And I, that just seemed just so clever and easy. And, you know, just obviously if you can't paint, then that's a, but. Well, it's an idea because I had that fashion illustration background. I decided all the flowers were going to be pretty ladies. And I used a Gerber, which it kind of looks like a fringe around it. 
And but you can take the same idea and put your kids' faces on it. You can take a photograph and just with a glue dot, it'll stick. And how fun would that be for a baby shower or something like that? So cute, so cute. What are your okay? I know we've we've kind of covered a lot of them. We've got the we've talked about the vials. We talked about the pillows. What are some other must-have tools? I mean, do you have like a favorite pair of shears that you like? Um, I do. I have various shears. I have um, floral tape. I have sticks. I have wire. I have a hole. And when I travel and they ask me to do a class or a demonstration, I have my little kit with my like my doctor's kit, and I open it up and it has all the things that I'm gonna need. So the clippers, um, sometimes I'll use the Japanese, which are very sharp and those are good. Clip, clippers, <laughs> I found out you can't really get them sharpened. So they don't have the world's longest life because you want a good sharp thing. I also use um, a Swiss army knife. Now those can be more difficult to use. And um, I used to, <laughs> I used to use it and get a really good sharp cut, but it, you have to be paying attention. Yeah, don't want to cut yourself. So we can't use scissors to cut our flowers. You really want to have it as crisp and at an angle as possible because that will help it absorb the water. And you want it to be a fresh cut, like getting it from the store. You want it to be a fresh cut, cut about an inch and a half or so, fresh cut, sharp. But you get these little garden shears, there it goes. It's easy. And what about your table? Do you use a Lazy Susan or anything to kind of keep your arrangement moving? Or do you do you move around the table? When I'm making the arrangement? Yeah. Well, my dining room, which has been exactly the same for 26 years, is like, for me, the perfect backdrop. There's not a lot of distraction. There's not a lot of color. I can change everything with a tablecloth or tables gray underneath and, and just put the simple bottles on it. And when I go around, I'll like, think, oh, it's fun to put some fruit, just scatter some cherries on the table or scatter this on the table. And, you know, take one of, take some of the flowers that were in the arrangement, put them in tiny little glass containers and put it around the arrangement. There are all sorts of ways that you can make and just have so much fun creating these tables. And, the idea of just having one thing in the middle of the table, I do tend to like to have a lot of things going on. I mean, you know, just if it's fruit, little flowers that were in the arrangement, keep with the color story. And um, I can't tell you, it's like you can do so much with color and you have to be careful because you can ruin the arrangement with color too. Yeah, how do you know when you've gone too far? my taste. For me? Yeah. I generally, when I can't fit any more flowers in, I've gone too far or just far enough. But um, I tend to sort of, I like my arrangements to be balanced. I don't do things that go over to one side, the other side. I really kind of like to keep it structurally balanced. And um, so that's a key for doing the arrangements for me. Well, I was so inspired. I mean, there were so many like table settings even and so many things that I was like I need to flag this page and like put a little sticker on it so it's definitely going to be a book that I reference whenever I'm planning an event so oh thank you so much all right I want you guys to just do some wonderful baskets and great containers for centerpieces 
I think everybody should have fresh flowers. We're living in difficult times. And just flowers are really, really good for the soul. They make me happy when I work with flowers. Occasionally, I'll talk to them, tell them, you know, <laughs> I'm not looking so hot. Or, my God, you're beautiful. So, I mean, I, I find I never listen to music. I'm just focusing on the flowers. And I, I just love them. I, I agree. I think that when you have fresh flowers on your table, like even just where you're eating breakfast or like it doesn't have to be your, you know, your fancy dining room. It just makes every meal feel like such a moment and a something special. I think that that's a really, you know, nice things when you're when you're eating with your family and you're just taking a minute to sit down another and thing, yeah. talk to people. Another thing I recommend is all sorts of little flower farms are popping up everywhere. And that it's one of the best places to go get your fresh flowers. It just find a local flower farm. I have one in New Jersey that just does vernaculus, another one peonies, and there's one up near Millbrook that I get the most beautiful dahlias. And just supporting local flower farms is a great thing to do, especially when they're organic. Do you have any potted plants um, or house plants that you also love? I know they're not featured in this book, but I imagine you have some that you must love. Absolutely. I'm just a sucker for maidenhair fern. I love maidenhair fern. I love the laciness. I love the shape. I love the way the light goes through it. Um, topiaries, little topiaries I love. Um, all sorts of things. But I do tend to always gravitate towards that maidenhair fern if I can. Okay. Can you give me a lesson? Because I love maidenhair fern, but I... <laughs> cannot get them to last more than three weeks because I killed them. What am I doing wrong? Well, it has to stay moist, but not overwatered, but moist. It really needs, you have to check the soil quite a bit. And it doesn't need a lot of sunlight, but a little bit of sunlight. And um, try to keep the room cool. If you can't, I mean, like when you're not in it, you can like make the room cooler. Okay. Or stick it outside. See, I think I either am underwatering it or overwatering it. Probably a combination of both. Like, <laughs> I've either hasn't drunk for a few days and then I like drown it. I don't know. No, that's why you kind of have to be aware all the time checking the soil. I mean, they are a little bit fussy. Not like something like what's that thing, philanopsis, or you know, something that's like so easy that you don't even think about. So, are we talking like a tiny bit every day? Are we talking every three days? It really depends on how the water is being absorbed and how much water you're putting in. Okay. So I just do it just by feel. I stick my finger into the soil. If it feels really dry, I know I haven't watered it enough and it might die. And then if it feels a little bit moist, great. And if the leaves are kind of turning yellow, I put too much water in. Mm, okay. You know, I had a hard time with hydrangeas this summer. I, I don't know why, but. I kept overwatering, underwatering. It just happens sometimes. You're not alone, Caroline. Even the best. <laughs> no. Can over no. And under. Cut no. flowers I feel good about, but houseplants, no. Yeah. They do Caroline not like me. Caroline is very talented, too, in, in floral oh, arrangements. Nothing so. like yes. yours, Kathy, but. <laughs> oh, no, no, they're probably better. You know, it's just have fun. Just have fun. It's like it's fun. painting. You're it's so relaxing. Color. It is. It's incredibly relaxing. And as I say, some people do drugs, <laughs> some people do yoga, some people meditate, I do mm -hmm. flowers. Yep, love it. And some people drink a lot. Well, I drink a little. <laughs> <laughs> While arranging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you doing any 
classes in Atlanta coming up? Or if someone wanted to take I, one of your classes, where would they find classes well, that you're doing? I love Atlanta, first of all. I had the most marvelous time. I've spoken in Atlanta. And um, what I need is when I do a class is I need to have a couple of days preparation. And I have to have helpers because I did do a class that worked out successfully in Nashville, but it was so big. I can't remember how many ladies, but it was huge. I bought tons of flowers and everybody did the arrangements and they were having a benefit that night and everybody had their floral piece on the table and they really turned out spectacularly. So it's kind of fun to do that. I can't help it. I like to give people a choice and a variety of flowers. I'm not going to do a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you were to come to Atlanta, you've got three helpers right here. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're okay. signing up. I'm a helper. Perfect. Okay. Yes. And Great. we'll have a cocktail with you while yes. arranging. Oh, so. absolutely. Margarita. <laughs> yeah. That would be terrific. Kathy, thank you so thank much you. for sharing this gorgeous book with us and with our listeners. Oh. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I just hope other people just love flowers and just have fun with flowers and colors and plants and living things and if you have a room and you have a decor you can enhance it enormously with flowers well this was such a toolkit i my cart is full <laughs> i have i have every all your tools and i'm really excited now like you said it feels like i just bought art supplies but in a totally Isn't different so way much fun? Uh-huh. I know, i'm an art supply addict <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for having me and um it's been a pleasure Thank you, Kathy. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and, of course, find your book? Oh. Well, you can find my book on Amazon, Bards & Noble, or directly through Van Dome Press, where they have signed copies. Also, I'm on Instagram. I'm Kathy with a C, B, Graham on Instagram, and I post so many of my arrangements. I post some things in the book. But I try to keep it all just really pretty and lots of flowers. And I put my ideas. I have some short videos of how to. So that I keep I, Instagram has been great. But you can get my book, Amazon, easy as pie. Full bloom. And every single book has its own. It has a slipcase so you don't have to wrap it. It I that is was oh, such yeah. a beautiful we touch. Should, yeah. Mm-hmm. We forgot to mention how gorgeous everything is with your hand watercolors on it too. Yes. Well, thank and you. The case beautiful book well thank you so much thank you this has really been fun and i love what you guys are doing and um thank you and that's our show you can find all of the show notes on our blog howtodecorate.com slash podcast to send in a decorating dilemma email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space and of course be sure to follow us on social media at ballard designs Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!